Thank you so much for joining us today for this episode of the Public Health Networker. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Eric Coles, who is the president of the DRPH Coalition. Welcome, Eric. Thank you, April, for having me today. So we know that you're part of the DRPH Coalition. You're the president. Uh, tell us a little bit more about the DRPH Coalition and the work that you're doing in public health. We started um, really at a very grassroots level in uh, 2018, I believe. Um, initially just as a pizza party between um, Harvard DRPH students and Boston University DRPH students who basically just wanted to hear from other DRPHers and schools of public health. And since then, we've we've grown. We have about 400 members nationwide right now. Um, we've held uh, several annual conferences. Um, we're trying to do uh, build net networking and um, connections really between DRPH students and alumni. Um, I'm a big fan of the DRPH. I feel like we're kind of a bit marginalized within pub public health and not very well known. So definitely one of our uh, key areas is trying to elevate the degree, get get more more people aware of the DRPH and our, our skill sets. It's it's not very well known in public health, unfortunately, and definitely not very well, well known outside of pub public health. Um, some of my family still thinks I have a PhD, even though I graduated a few years ago. So there's definitely, I think, issues there. But uh, so what we're really working on um, specifically is with job requirements, too. We invite you to join us from June 1st to the 3rd for the Public Health Informatics and Technology Conference, also known as FIAT, P-H-I-A-T, taking place June 1st through the 3rd online and also in person on June 3rd, covering a range of academic and public health organizational topics of relevance, including EHR, surveillance, machine learning, AI, data visualization, public health, IT policy and governance, cybersecurity, and more. Our website is at phiatconference.com. Um, I've never seen in my time in public health a job, uh, any public health job that requires a, a DRPH, which is really unfortunate because um, as a doctor of public health, it's kind of in, in the name and you would think we'd have more prominence within the field. One of the issues we're, we're looking at is the conflation of medical training with public health training and a lot of uh, key public health positions, uh, both at the federal level, state and local level, um, require an MD or some sort of a clinical training. And um, I think that's really unfortunate. I think that's, that's definitely a, a big issue. Um, and while we, I, know, I don't want to say that we should require a DRPH, I think a DRPH should at least be um, eligible to a, apply. So that's one of the things we're, we're working on from a kind of a, a policy perspective. Um, because it's 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 something I I think I see that's a, a wide ranging problem within the, the field of public health. Mm -hmm. Thank you, and I completely agree with you. I also wish I had a DRPH. I have a PhD in health promotion sciences. Uh, our DRPH program showed up a little bit later in our school, and I wasn't familiar even with a DRPH. Although it would have been the perfect fit because <laughs> a lot of people are working. The, this is an applied degree. Yes, yeah, I can give you some background on the on the DRPH too. Um, so there's about um, maybe 40 or so programs ar around the U.S. and actually a lot. It's actually expanding internationally, too. There's a few programs in Canada now, in Japan, in Europe, and in Australia. But um, here in the U.S., it's had a very, very long his history. Actually, the DRPH was one of the first public health degrees that was offered back in like the, the 1910s. Um, and it's gone through several different iterations. Kind of the current form and the form the DRPH Coalition is trying to support is um, a clear di difference, differentiation between a PhD and uh, a DRPH. 
Um, a DRPH is supposed to be the, the, the terminal degree for practitioners of public health, not for researchers. So while we still learn doctoral level research skills, our kind of career goals and career um, paths are not based in academia and in research. Again, historically, there's been different iterations of the DRPH. In the 1960s, I, I believe it was used mainly for MDs who wanted to um, do research in public health. They would get their DRPH, but essentially an MD was required. So, and then it's gone through other iterations too. Um, so what we're trying to really focus on, and I think a key part is the leadership and management training. I think those skills are really, really important. And, and those, those are skills that can quite frankly be learned. Like I think leadership is too often considered like you have it or you don't, or you're born with it or you're not, but I definitely believe leaders can, can be made. And I think leadership training is really, really important. And in my own DRPH, um, I found the leadership training to be fantastic and be one of the, the really the strongest takeaways I got from my program. Um, I know it's, there's varied levels of training, varied um, types of training, but I'm hopeful that more, more and more DRPH programs are going to be integrating some sort of leadership training within them because I think it's really important. And as you've seen during COVID, I think public health leadership is super important and is very, very difficult. Some really, really smart people who, who do have, you know, world-class technical skills maybe can't do some of the other things. And um, I think it needs to be called out and, and, and pointed out. And um, they need training, like in, in com communication, promo you know, health promotion. I'm, I'm sure you know more about it than, than I do. Um, and in terms of ma even management styles and leadership styles, I, I think that's such a, an oversight when we don't have our leaders who have leadership training. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's crucial. I mean, like you mentioned, it's really kind of to the downfall of our population in terms of the pandemic. Don't even get me started. <laughs> but um, yeah, thank you. Tell us, how did you get started in the field of public health? So my personal kind of interest in public health is a bit, um, well, I guess everyone has has their own story. Mine actually started in my mid-20s. I, I frankly didn't know what public health was probably um, when I was an undergrad and, and in my early 20s. Um, I was really fortunate enough to get an internship actually in India um, in uh, the summer between my, my grad school. I, I went to grad school for public policy. I was really interested in um, public policy and I, got, I have a, a master's of public administration and uh, during the summer of, of that program, I was in India looking at um, uh, a childhood malnutrition treatment center. And I realized um, I was collecting data. It's very, it was very data focused. You know, you could, they would weigh the babies, see how much they gained. And, um, you know, it was very numbers driven. And I did some of like the, the background analysis, did some stuff in Excel. And I was like, oh, wow, like I could really help do something with this. Like I, I have the, like the, the data analysis skills that I got from studying economics and public policy, I was applying it to a, a, a health area. So that really turned me on to the, the potential of public health. Um, I'll say my mom was a nurse for 35 years. So I always got the clinical aspect of health. Um, she was an RN and then uh, a nurse manager. And you know she had stories of being in the hospital and I, I never wanted to do that. I never wanted to be a clinician. So I think that almost pushed me away from health for a while in my early career. But I was really fortunate to define public health um, in, in grad school. And then um, after I graduated, I got a job at NIH. I was in um, the National Heart, uh, uh, Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute, NHLBI. I worked there for uh, three years, again, doing a lot of policy analysis. I, I, my, my interest is definitely in policy, in, in, in government, pub, public health, and then um, how we apply uh, health, health interests into public policy. So 
um, that's what I was doing at NIH um, in a very small role. And then I got went back to school for my DRPH in 2017 um, and graduated in, in 2020. And now I'm working with the Native American tribe. My full-time job is uh, the tribal public health officer for the uh, uh, small reservation in California, um, which has been um, really, really incredible uh, position. I'm, I'm really um, fortunate to have found found this during really the very beginning of COVID. I've, I've been with the tribe um, through 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 COVID, and I've been learning a lot. Um, there's definitely tribal health is a whole other area you could focus on for I could talk about for hours, but um, that's 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 a separate issue, and um, and that's where I've been since since then. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my my journey in public health. Mm -hmm. Thank you. We hear this a lot. None of us really, well, almost none of us really know what public health is until we are brought into it. And it's it's such an interesting, yeah, it's an invisible field. It really is. And the DRPH is also invisible at this time. And although it's been here since, like you mentioned, the 1910s, uh, or even maybe before that, but yeah, early 1900s, it's, it is something. Um, tell us more about the DRPH Coalition and how, you know, students, alum can get involved. What are the different programs that um, your members can participate in? Well, yeah, first I want to see if anyone is a DRPH student or alumni, they can join us at drphcoalition.org. We have a, a mem membership page. Um, we're all volunteers, so um, um, uh, yeah, please sign up. If there's a, a small fee to become a, a member, but if it's a student, I think it's like $25, $25 $20, $25. So we don't ask for much, but that gives you um, access to our, our listserv. Um, we're um, organizing some uh, events for, for members and some uh, mentorship programs. Uh, we also are, you know, if anyone wants to, to be more involved in our leadership, we, we're ha happy to take pe pe people on as well. Um, we have contact information available on our website too. But yeah, I would really encourage um, DRPA students and alumni to get involved. I, I think, you know, as you mentioned, <laughs> The DRPH is definitely um, um, overlooked right right now, and I think the way to change that is advocacy. Is for us to kind of form together um, uh, with one voice, with 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 us pushing for it. It's not going to be more data. More data is not going to solve this issue. We're not going to get 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 there through research. I feel like it's going to be uh, kind of in the public forum. We we need to really speak on on our own behalf. And yeah, the DRPH has been, has been around for over a hundred years, and there's been advocacy for it for about just as just as as long, um, you go back to like 1912. There's uh, uh, something from a a APHA about um, calling for uh, 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 doctor pub 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 public health and key leadership positions back back then. So it's an ever you know I feel like that's almost scary to me to, to think about how um, how long this has been and how little progress there's there's been made um, throughout the 1970s and 1980s. Milton Romer, he was a professor at UCLA, um, spoke. Uh, wrote a lot about the DRPH and really pushed for more uh, more prominence in in the, the degree. And then in the 1990s and the 2000s, you had uh, Hugh Tilson and, and Christine Gebby, um, who has a DRPH. Uh, both were wrote, wrote about it often. And um, yet there hasn't really been much change. So um, I, I I feel really strongly that it's going to take kind of getting outside of the the literature, outside of just uh, us writing about it, but really trying to advocate, make change, make sure we're at, we're at um, decision-making tables um, from everything, from in, internal funding to public health policies, the uh, even the private sector. I know a lot of DR Patriots, uh, the career paths are, are, are varied and um, some of them, some of us do go into the pri pri private sector. And I think that's fantastic. Um, 
So it's, it's really going to take a lot of effort. So I would really hope and encourage people to, to join us if you have a, a DRPH um, or and if, even if you're thinking about one, you also sign up for our listserv if you don't have a DRPH and, and stay connected. Um, we do connect interested prospective students with um, DRPHers from different programs, um, depending on like what school you're interested in. So feel free to reach out to us there too. And then all of our events, uh, we're, we're gonna have our annual conference in, in June as well. Um, that's open to the public for a, a small fee. Uh, it'll be on Zoom. Um, uh, uh, but if you sign up for our list or if you can get more information there. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And I just wanted to add to that. And, you know, this is somewhat of part of the call to action to support DRPH coalition. Um, I guess a couple of things even. Uh, the first thing I would mention is that it, it is so much um, more sustainable than your traditional PhD program. I don't know if you were working as well when you were doing your DRPH, but it is one that is, it does accommodate that similar to an MPH, right? A lot of people are able to uh, keep their job and and study and possibly get funded by their department, possibly, right? Yeah, there's, uh, if you've seen one DRPH program, you've seen one DRPH program, there's a lot of differences across schools. Um, if you want the more traditional in-person cohort, full-time learning, there's schools that offer that. If you want um, to stay working, stay at your job, there's a lot of online part-time programs that are really for practitioners. Um, again, we're not, I think what's really great about the DRPH is not geared towards academia. So um, in terms of a career path, so even though you have to go to a school of public health, um, you don't have to be kind of in that culture. You, you can still re remain in your organization, re remain working. Um, and then some of the online programs do have, uh, you know, multiple times a year meeting in person for a week or, or a weekend. Again, ev ev everything really varies. And then also, even if you have tons of experience, if you have 15, 20 years of uh, experience in, in um, public health, there's executive DRPH programs at a lot of very um, really prestigious schools you can apply to as well. Um, usually you want, um, it's, it's I think a three to five year minimum of uh, experience for most DRPH programs. So um, um, I would say, you know, say working for a little bit. Some, a lot of programs do require a master's degree as well. So that's something to think about. Not necessarily an MPH. Like I said, I don't have an MPH. I have a master's of public administration. So it, uh, it definitely takes, they take people from different fields, which I think is really great and adds to the, the diversity and, and um, the, the potential of, the, of uh, public health practitioners. So yeah, I would definitely um, say if you're interested at, at all to take, take a look at different schools, um, we, we do have a list on our website of um, some schools, but that is ever changing. Um, I know, for example, like in California, uh, recently um, the Cal State University Systems statewide was approved to start their own DRPH. So there'll be a lot more programs in, in California um, very soon, if not this fall, within the next year year or two. And there's um, different programs really throughout throughout the country. So it's, we're definitely um, na na nationwide, which is really exciting. Wow, that's excellent news. I, I love the work that the Cal States are doing right now. Um, that's wonderful. I know they do the EDD. That was like their main doctoral program, but I'm so happy to hear that they're working on the DRPH as well. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and then also I wanted to just add on one, well, maybe a couple more things uh, to this conversation. You know, as you mentioned, over over the years, over the century, right, that uh, people have worked on trying to bring more visibility to the DRPH, and then at some point they kind of 
it just stops, right? And then they make another effort maybe 30 years later and then it kind of stops or 60 years later and then it stops. So I wonder uh, possibly with your MPH, I mean, your MPA, your administrative background, uh, just bringing that in as another, um, just coming in from a different perspective perhaps, that maybe this is going to be that push that actually finally breaks through into more awareness of the DRPH. And as you've said, there is more growth already with the Cal States um, bringing those programs in. So I'm really happy to hear that. Uh, what are your thoughts on how to break through that, um, you know, centuries long um, challenge? Yeah, that's a really good question. I would say this is uh, like my advice to all of public health, not just to, to for the DRPH is, it's advocate. I feel like, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to be research that's, that gets us there. It's going to be really um, political organizing. Like that's how, uh, for better or for worse, that's how things are really made in, in this country. And, and, and to speak for, um, you speak on, on our behalf and outside and, you know, you could, you could talk about the, the best message ad nauseum and go back and forth on exactly the, the right promotion, but it's, it's trial and failure. <laughs> like it's, 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 it's just getting out there. It's just trying it. I, I don't think we should be over, overthinking it. Um, I will say, that from what I've heard, is that there was a, a past version of a coalition for DRPH um, for the degree, like I think in the, in the 80s or 90s um, in the Southeast, that um, was organized between different schools. But um, so I'm not sure exactly where that went. But I, what we're trying to do is, is, is make this political, I guess, to advocate. We're, we're a 501c3, so we do have con constraints, but um, at least elevating the degree, as, as you're saying, like making people more aware of it. Um, there are, I think, a lot of, um, even though we have a lot of, I think, key officials in the COVID response and across public health, we don't have a DRPH. Every now and then you'll see one, you're like, oh, wow, like, you know, I always point, point one out. Like in California, again, the state health officer is Tomas Aragon. He's an MD and a, and a DRPH. Um, John Weissman was the um, Washington State uh, Secretary of, of Health where COVID began. He had the first confirmed case of COVID-19 in the U.S. He is a DR, DRPH. Um, he's now leading the DRPH program at, at UNC. So if you look closely, you know, you'll, you'll find DRPHs all, all around. And it's just, I think, again, just organizing that, calling that, that, that out. Um, you know, very few people look at the letters after your name. Like you see, you, they see doctor and I still get again people think I'm a medical doctor, so they don't look at the the, the letters af, after, and that's frankly a shame. I think it is really important whether you're a PhD or an MD or a DRPH. We need everyone. Like we don't need um, just one, but I, I definitely think we need more visibility and more uh, attention paid to to the the DRPH, and that's going to take us pointing that out. It's going to take us organizing and and especially for funding. Um, over a year ago, um, a colleague and I wrote a piece about with a survey of DRPH students, and we found how um, uh, funding funding for DRPH students is significantly lower than funding even for PhD students. And um, there is, if you're looking at NIH and other federal funders, a real attention for research and not a lot of attention on the practical implementation side of things. So we're, we don't qualify for a lot of um, training grants, essentially. And I think it's a major, major issue. And it's not going to take, uh, you know, uh, uh, an RCT to figure this out. It's it's, it's going to take people knocking on doors and emailing and and having list, you know, um, sign on letters and, and just getting numbers behind it because that's how um, we're going to change kind of public policies. Mm. And adding on to that, um, 
I'm familiar with the project that you've been working on with Heather Krasna, right? Can you tell us a little bit more about the student loan forgiveness that you're also advocating for? Yeah, so one, I think, program that we're focusing on, both within um, the DRPH Coalition and my work with Heather, is a public health loan repayment program. Um, in a nutshell, right now, uh, uh, if you can work for a public health department, if you have a clinical degree, like an MD or an RN or a physical therapist, and you can get a loan repayment, I, I, I think it's about 50000 a year for up to three years um, for, for working in the public health department. But those programs do not apply for people with public health degrees. So if you have student loan debt from an MPH, from a DRPH, from a PhD, um, you don't qualify for that loan repayment program. Again, for working strictly in the public health department. So um, what's really exciting is uh, uh, can Congress authorized, a keyword here is authorized, a bill uh, in last December um, for to start a, a, a loan repayment program for public health degrees for working in public health departments. However, there was no money appropriated to it. So it basically exists only on paper, doesn't have any, any funding for it yet. So what we're trying to do now is organize um, support and av av advocate for this program to be funded. So we, we've been doing um, sign-on letters. We did two last year where we got um, 300 DRPH students and, and alumni um, just for, for the DRPH coalition. And then we also expanded it to all public health degrees and we got about um, 2,500 signatures last year um, for a sign-on le letter that we, we sent into Congress that shows support for some sort of public health loan repayment. And we're in the middle of, of doing a, a second round of that right now. Again, focusing just on appropriations because now that we have the bill authorized, um, I think it's authorized for two years, two or three years. So um, we don't have much time to get it funded because if it doesn't get funded, it will just disappear. Uh, it just will kind of fall off the books in um, two, two, two to three years. So we really are keen on, on, on getting fund, funding for, for this soon. Um, this isn't the first time it's happened actually, unfortunately. I think since 2005, uh, similar programs have, have been authorized twice, including once with, within the ACA, and they were never funded. So um, Congress has, I think, a, a history of, of authorizing um, programs, but, with, but without uh, author, um, appropriating any, any money for them. So I'm hopeful, again, through advocacy and through um, education in the next few, few, few months, we'll, we'll show support for um, expanding public health loan repayment programs to people with a public health degree. Thank you. Yeah. And I also signed that, that form that petition. Yeah. And, you know, if there's anything else that we can bring visibility to and support you with, let me know. We will share it in our newsletter. So just please reach out. Let us know how we can continue to bring visibility to the DRPH degree and to the calls to action that you have. And um, I guess um, my last question is in terms of how people can connect with you. Do you have any social media links? Uh, again, share that website with us. Um, yeah, so our website is the drphcoalition.org. Um, and that's where you'll find how to, uh, again, sign up to our, our, our listserv and to or, and become a member. Um, we do limit mem membership to people with uh, who are studying for their DRPH in, in school or have their DRPH all, already because we're trying to um, kind of keep that that tight community. But even if you don't, or if you're a prospective student, we definitely will welcome you to sign up to for our listserv, which is free, um, that you can stay in touch and hear about all of our events and all of our programming. Um, we do have uh, an ACTA sign letter, and I'll share that with you. Um, you can put put the link out um, for people to sign onto a Google form. 
probably have that out just for a few more weeks. So um, if this is, gets older, um, probably past like by, by May 1st, 2023, it'll be closed. But um, it'll be up for a few weeks. We're still trying to collect signatures on it. And um, yeah, we do have, a, uh, if you have, again, if you're a DRPH student or alumni, we have a, link, a LinkedIn group. Um, look up uh, DRPH uh, pro professionals. That's a, a great way to kind of um, get involved in our network. And um, yeah, I think that's the, that's really the best way is, is our website and our LinkedIn group. All right. Well, thank you so much, Eric, for joining us today. Uh, we've learned a lot about the DRPH degree and about your program. So thank you again for joining us. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Summer Institute, SI, is one of the top adolescent and sexual conferences in the nation. The host of this annual conference, Fact Forward, is inviting all adolescent and sexual health professionals to join them in Charleston, South Carolina, to explore how we can achieve optimal health for adolescents. Attend Summer Institute 2023, Exploring Optimal Health for Adolescents, June 14th through 16th as we learn from some of the leading voices in adolescent and sexual health, addressing topics like adolescent mental health, social determinants of health, STI prevention, health equity, and adequately serving LGBTQIA youth. Early bird pricing runs until April 3rd, so take advantage of the discount. Learn more by visiting factforward.org si.